Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Derek Healy and today we have a very special midweek episode looking at the row over young people in politics. Now, regular listeners will be aware that we discussed that topic on Friday's show, but we wanted to go a little bit more in depth and give you the full interviews we recorded for that discussion. First up is Lloyd Melville, a 21-year-old SNP activist from Monifeith, who is a national convener of the SNP's students group. He's running for election in May and said he wants to use his extensive experience of campaigning as well as his track record of helping local residents. But he faced questions over whether he has enough life experience to run for public office. He's not alone there and we saw a number of young candidates face criticism after putting themselves forward across the country for a range of different political parties. Our political reporter Justin Bowie spoke to Lloyd about that reaction and started off by asking him for his response to the criticism. Well, primarily, I would make the case that we live in a modern democracy and to build a modern democracy, you need to include everybody. Uh, People, political parties, uh, people on the internet are very keen to count young people's votes at elections, but they seem to be very also keen to discount their voices when they want to make a difference to their communities. Um, As someone who grew up in the ward that I want to stand in. Uh, I love the communities here. I use the same public services as everyone else, uh, social housing, etc, etc. You know, that's first-hand experiences of the services that local authorities provide. Um, And if if that doesn't count, along with my professional experience, both in the public and private sector, uh, then I don't know what does. And really, what people seem to be saying is that you need to have worked one job for 40 odd years before you even get a chance to make a contribution to local democracy. And that's not something that I believe in. Do you fear that these kind of attitudes could stop young people from getting involved in politics? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you know, I I got it pretty rough from from certain segments, but I know people who have um, gone for uh, council before, whether that's uh, during a, a a national election like we're facing in May or a by-election, um, particularly young women, and they have had it a lot worse. Um, I think there is a general sense uh, among certain parts of the sort of, um, I, I would maybe call it the Twitter sphere, but it does also exist in wider society, um, that young people um, just don't have what it takes for um democracy and getting involved in in local government and that's just not the case uh i think it does put people off i think it really shouldn't put people off uh because young people we won't be patronized we won't go away we are here to make change and we have a whole lot to bring to the table um but i believe that the attitude from certain segments of society does put a damper on that um and it's it's our job to sort of work through that and to show, well, actually, we do have a lot to bring to the table. And whether they like it or not, uh, we are here and we're going to stand up and be counted. What do you think kind of younger people, um, you, I'm using that term generally because I suppose everyone's definition of what is, what is young is different. Yeah. But what do you think young people can bring to politics that you know older generations might lack? Well, I think um, if you look at where we are just now, I mean, local local government, uh, the, the majority of councillors in Scotland are between 50 and 70 years old. 
Um, and I think what that does essentially is that that removes um, an element of lived experience that young people have. Uh, you know, young people will have gone through school a lot more recently than these people have. So they have more firsthand experience of what their council's education policies actually mean. Young people also have a lot of energy and passion to bring to the table, particularly around subjects like climate change and social justice. Um, so I think there's a whole lot that young people can bring to the table, particularly through their lived experience. I mean, young people today, uh, the cost of living crisis is going to affect young people and students overwhelmingly uh, as well. So I think having the experiences that we have, having the energy and the passion that we have and the, the new ideas to contribute, um, we do bring a whole lot to the table that uh, I don't want to say that, that uh, councillors between, you know, 30 plus don't have, but I, I believe that, that we have a different experience, um, not necessarily a, a better experience, but um, to, to have a truly uh, inclusive democracy, you need to have people from a wide variety of backgrounds and experiences in there. It can't all be folk from, from the same sort of angle going in. What more do you think needs to be done to bring more younger people into politics? Well, I think people need to, um, people need to judge candidates and people on their ideas, uh, their energy, their experience, because age doesn't count. It's, uh, it's experience, it's energy, it's ideas, it's passion, it's, it's, the, it's the, you know, determination that counts um, and the willingness to get things done to help people that counts. So I think as a society, we need to maybe reevaluate um, our relationship with, um, you know, what we see as uh, too young or too old to be involved in politics. Um, because I know a lot of 21-year-olds who have more to bring to the table than some of the 50, 60, 70-year-olds that are sitting in council chambers across the country, um, primarily because they've gone through different experiences, more recent experiences. Uh, you look at some of the politicians that we have in Scotland, um, baronets and things like that, um, not in council chambers, um, but I think young people are sort of maybe more ingrained in what the, what the real world actually is, um, than might be the case for, for instance, somebody that might have, uh, rolled into, uh, council after retiring or something like that. So, um, I think we need to reevaluate our attitude towards young people because it's a total cliche, but young people are, are the future and uh, we're going to be the ones that inherit um, a lot of the decisions that the people that are in councils are currently making. And uh, we're the ones that are also going to be affected by it. So if we're not in there um, helping to shape those decisions, then that not, not only affects us, but it also lets us down. Um, so I think we need to reevaluate uh, society's image of what young people are able to contribute to uh, democracy and local government. And just finally, um, you mentioned earlier on about the kind of Twitter sphere and some of the kind of reactions you get within that. Do you think that makes it more difficult for young people handling abuse or the kind of condescending attitudes, the immediacy of social media? Potentially. I mean, I can't speak for anyone other than myself. Um, so I've I've had a lot of um, 
negativity uh, in my time in, involved in politics. Um, a lot of it to do with my age, a lot of it to do with um, my sexuality and my beliefs. Um, so, you know, I can, I can only speak for myself. It, it has um, been the negative side of being involved in politics and um, uh, it has made it, I suppose, because it immediately flashes up on your screen uh, as you said about the immediacy of social media, um, you know, it actively prompts you to look at it uh, because it sends you a notification, um, and sort of constantly seeing it is is can be difficult. But in reality, um, if someone is having to uh, sort of stoop to insults and things like that, you know, in my view. I actually feel feel quite bad for for that person because um what do they get out of it? Uh what do they get out of of trying to put someone else down uh or trying to insult somebody or trying to uh I mean I had comments telling me you know, oh, you, know uh, you look 12 etc. Now I I don't look the oldest but I I definitely don't look 12. Uh but you know this is some of the stuff that that, that young people get. Um, and as I said earlier, I mean, young women in particular get it a lot worse. Um, I think the immediacy of social media does have an impact because it does prompt you to look at it. And uh, once you sort of open the notification, uh, it's right there. And I know that people like Mary Black have spoken out about um, the abuse that they've had on social media before, particularly as a young person. And obviously in Mary's case, um, as a young woman in politics. Um, and uh, yeah, I think social media can be a bit of a a uh, bit of a sort of um, uh, danger zone for the kind of abuse that people want to to lash out at you, but maybe they wouldn't say um, in person, uh, but they, they, they feel like they can because they're behind the screen. Very worrying they are to hear about some of the abuse young people have been facing. We'll hear later on in the episode from Scotland's youngest current MSP about how she was belittled by fellow politicians for being a young disabled woman. Justin also spoke to Xander McDade, a Highland Perthshire councillor who at 28 years old intends to stand down in May. Some listeners may remember that Xander previously spoke out against ageist jokes from older members of Perth and Kinross Council. He told us he is one of a number of young members on the local authority who will step down in May after trying and failing to change the system to be more suited to working age people. Here's what Xander had to say. I think it um, experiences very much uh a matter of um, opinion, really. Um, you know, some of the most important uh, experiences are those that you uh, have in your early years. Um, councils, uh, you know, Perth and Ross Council, for example, about two thirds of its budget is spent on schools. Um, I, you know, left school about ten years ago, um, and actually, um, you know, things have moved on dramatically since then. So, um, but I have a, you know, probably a closer understanding of what's going on and. Uh, school than perhaps people um, a bit older than me. So, you know, that's very relevant experience for something that the council has uh, a huge say in and a huge control over. What would you say that some of the challenges young people face uh, when they're trying to get into politics, you know, for example, the hours you might work, the pay that you might get, or just general attitudes, if, if you know, some people are dismissive of you at all. What would you say some of the challenges young people face are in that regard? I think this is actually one of the fundamental um, problems, is the structural issues with how local government is run make it very challenging for uh, people in 
in overworking age in general, um, particularly those with families, um, to actually get involved in local politics and local government. Um, I've spent the last four or five years campaigning quite hard in the council on this um, to try and make it more um, fr friendly and accessible for younger and working age people and uh, people with families. Um, I'd say I've had limited success on that front. Um, and it can be as simple as uh, the fact that meetings are held across, you know, specific days rather than holding them on any day of the week at any time because if you're working you need to be able to tell your employer what days you're available um, and uh, you know we had a really big push at the start of this council term to try and get meetings in the evenings um, and unfortunately uh, we were outvoted by um, our older colleagues who wanted them you know first thing in the morning and you know during the day um, and that has made it harder for people um, to have uh, you know, a full-time job or a part-time job even and be a councillor and be effective at it. So, um, and certainly in terms of the remuneration, um, depending on the hours you put in, um, you know, you can be quite lucky to be, um, you know, earning sort of um, half the minimum wage if you put in a lot of hours. Uh, and it's certainly not realistic to be um, expecting uh, younger people who are perhaps trying to buy their first home to be able to buy that on the sort of um, councillor's allowances that are currently um, set at. And I think we need to be realistic either it is a very part-time role, in which case we'd need to reduce the amount of work that currently are expected of councillors, um, or we need to you know, increase that remuneration to reflect the, the level of involvement and the, the loss of income that you're going to have on the other side. You touched a little bit this on this in your first answer in regards to your experience with schools, uh, but just do a little bit more in depth. What specifically do you think that young people can bring to politics that some older politicians may lack or may not have? I think it's really important that our, um, our political uh, chambers and our representative bodies have a really wide range of opinions. So um, that is to say that you know people who are twice my age have absolutely as relevant experience as I do, but they have different experience. Um, and I think that from my point of view, I bring... Um, a, you know, a different set of experiences from other people my age as well. You know, part of having um, reflective politics and, and representative politics is that it does represent um, the widest cross section of society at all. Um, if our uh, all our politicians are you know older white men, it is not going to be representative, and it's not going to pick up on uh, the issues that are out there in society. So, I think from my point of view, I bring. Um, a lot of experience I've learned through my you know, younger life um, and uh, I'm now 28 um, and I've obviously had a working life as well before coming in um, to the council so um, it, it is very much about uh, your your own experiences and what you bring to that and I think um, almost everyone can bring something uh, relevant to um, the, the council chamber based on their experiences regardless of what that is. You mentioned obviously having a kind of working life before you specifically kind of went into politics as a councillor. Do you think it's important that people do that? Because that is one of the main criticisms that, you know, sometimes people just go straight from activism to becoming a councillor or an MSP or an MP. Or do you think that it doesn't matter if someone's good enough for the job, they're, it, they can do whatever they want? I think that... Um... Experience is important, but I think experience can mean a lot of different things. So um, 
from my point of view, um, I was brought up in quite a, a political family, um, and you know was quite involved in you know political issues from a young age. So I had a lot of engagement in that respect, and also, um, you know, I had seen injustices when I was younger that I wanted to you know campaign on and resolve, and um, you know things like the environment. I've been very passionate about since I was, you know. 10 um, you know so here we are 18 years later and you know the environment is now a big thing but you know it hasn't been for all of that time um, so I think that really um, people uh, bring their experience based on their experiences whether that's lived experience which is really important and people are beginning to recognize that you know people who have been carers or um have been uh, disabled um you know these are ex- really important life experiences that need to be uh, represented in our, our political sphere and aren't uh, that well represented at the moment um and i think it really does come back to i mean i have you know worked before i came into politics and that has helped shape some of what it is but actually to be honest I think a lot more of my politics was shaped before that. Um, and I think that uh, it's probably in most people's cases, most of their experiences are shaped not really through their working life a lot, but actually um, through their early experiences and through their sort of outside family life. And that is really important because at the end of the day, we're making decisions about um, whether uh, we're funding social care, funding education. Um, and actually, I you know I own, an, I own a business at the moment, but... Um, I apply some of that to what I do, but I probably apply a lot more of my, you know, experiences of looking after my granddad and being his carer a long time ago to a lot of the decisions I make on social care, for example. So I think it just depends on what you're, um, what you're focused on. And finally, you mentioned earlier on about the difficulties that you face as a councillor, as a young person, in terms of wages and in hours and how that affects your ability to see by a house. Fundamentally, is it a job that you would recommend to someone going in as a councillor, as someone your age or younger, or is it something you would urge them to steer clear of unless they're very, very passionate, like yourself? <laughs> well, um, that's a a very uh, difficult question. I am actually choosing to stand down because um, right, okay. After five years, uh, I and actually I think all the younger councillors in Perth and Kinross anyway are standing down, and. Um, I think we found it all very frustrating, um, you know, without putting words in other people's mouths. I think generally there has been a lot of frustration about how the council operates and how inaccessible it is. Um, and I think that uh, I would encourage younger people to do it because we need those younger voices. But I think what is really important is that actually we make it accessible for them. So I have been even on my way out the door at the moment um, trying to push harder for things to be made more accessible for the people who come after me but it's really important that there is younger voices there and that those younger people do come after me and so from my point of view um, I think it is a good thing to do I think it's something people um, should consider if they can um, take the time out to do that service Um, but it doesn't you know it doesn't come at no cost as it were Um, so I think that is uh, important to acknowledge as well and that um, we we do have to think about how we make it more accessible, and th- that I know has been something that's been looked at at a national level. Um, a friend of mine is one of the causeless spokespeople, and they've been doing a lot of work on um, things like how we look at maternity and paternity leave for counsellors and these sorts of things because it's very difficult to actually take any time off. Um, and you know, realistically, everyone needs to have some form of time off. Um, but if you're really dedicated to your role, then you know it's quite hard to do that. So. Um, 
I think we need to address the structural issues, um, and that comes both in the pay and in the hours and all the rest of that. Um, but without, uh, you know, there is also the underlying part of we need to make people feel welcome when they come into these things, and not make it um, as challenging as it perhaps has been for uh, those who've gone before. Would you see yourself in future either re-entering politics or would you have stayed in politics at the moment if it was more accessible? I think I probably would have. I think um, I, I think, I, and I certainly, I, I don't think this will be um, you know the end of my um, political interest in life, to be honest, um, because it's just it's a part of who I am uh, that I feel really strongly about certain issues. Um, for me, uh, I feel I've gone into the council and I've achieved. Um, most of the things that I wanted to achieve, could I achieve more if I came back? Probably, absolutely. Uh, but for me, I think um, I would be on the, the downside of the bell curve at this point in terms of achievement. So I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I might come back at some point, but um, we'll, we'll see how accessible it is at that point and where I am in my my life at that point as well. That was Xander McDade. Our final interview today is with Emma Roddick, Scotland's youngest current MSP. Emma's 24 years old and began her political career as the youngest member of the Highland Council. She told us she's been belittled in the past by fellow politicians because of her age and gender, and was disappointed after hoping things would be better at Holyrood. Miss Roddick was previously mocked by a Tory MSP after opening up about her financial struggles when she was first elected to national politics. She spoke about some of the difficulties preventing young people from getting involved. Here's what she had to say. Um, well, I suppose it's difficult for me to compare because I haven't been an older person in Hollywood. Um, but um, there's definitely differences that I notice in terms of how people react to me. Um, and that's other politicians as well as the public. You know, my age tends to be brought up quite a lot in terms of, you know, people looking for a way to dismiss what I'm saying, even if. What I'm saying has absolutely nothing to do with how old I am. Do you, what would you say to people who dismiss younger politicians or younger people who want to get into politics and who maybe say they need more experience, they need to spend more time working normal jobs? What would you say to that? Um, I would say that, you know, politics is supposed to be representative. And I think people need to really consider what it is that they want politics to be because if you are saying look you should have more experience before going into politics are we just wanting a chamber full of people who are who their their, their only background really is in politics because that's what we see quite a lot of and you know people talk to me about not having enough life experience or whatever I, I'm not ever really sure what they mean by that because I might have experiences that well I know I have experiences that 60 70 year old politicians in the Highlands do not have and and will never have and so we all have very different experiences and I don't think age is necessarily the only consideration and people should really be more clear about what it is that they're expecting from politicians and what we would need in order to fulfill those expectations because age is not necessarily going to be the thing that prevents you from doing what people want you to do. Do you think there are certain kind of advantages and certain things in particular that young politicians can offer that older ones maybe can't? You know, for example, having talked to councillors about this, they were saying, for example, younger people might have a better idea of what the local schooling systems are like, or they might have a better understanding of certain workplace environments. Do you think there's certain advantages to having more younger people in politics? Yeah, there definitely are. Um, I do 
have concerns around because the Highland Council says this as well. You know, younger people will have um, views on on the education system. Young people have views on everything. And, you know, if you are, you know, around my age, if, if you're a late teen or early 20s, you're going to be having the experience of what it's like to look for a job in this year and this decade, to, to look for a place to live and to, you know, have grown up with internet, social media, um, all these things that the other people are legislating on. Um, so it, it is really important that we know what it is like to grow up and to go through big life experiences in the 2020s as well as in, you know, the noughties or, or the 80s. What barriers do you think currently exist uh, besides the condescension that you sometimes get? What other barriers do you think exist to getting more younger people into politics? I think there's the, the issue of contact. You know, um, I was... In, in my selection up against people who had been in politics for a long time, who knew the local par- parliamentarians, um, branch members from across the region. Um, and it's it's that kind of, you know, who you know, um, who you've campaigned with for the last 40 years. Um, that, that sort of thing really does have a big impact on how effectively you can get your message and the, the things that you're standing for over to local members who will then decide who they want to to be the SNP candidate. How do you think we go about changing that and making politics more inclusive for younger people? I think uh, making politics more inclusive for young people comes alongside making it more inclusive for everybody. Um, If politics were more accessible and people were more aware of the decisions that were being made by whom, um, which existing councillors and MSPs voted which way and what their views were, then I think we would see people being more engaged in the selection process and the election process and actually taking an interest in what individuals are standing for. Because the difference is not going to be age, the difference is going to be, well, that guy stands for a free market and she's a socialist. Like it's, it's not about, well, there's a 20-year-old against a 54-year-old. Do you think there's also when older people are sometimes dismissing younger politicians from your perspective, do you think there's a misogynistic element to it sometimes as well? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, a young MSP. I'm also a female MSP and a disabled MSP. And I think all those together, you're going to be in for a hard time. But I see the elements of each of them very often in the way that people speak to me and in the arguments that they use to talk down what it is that I'm saying. Do you think that's something that even before you were an MSP and you've maybe just been actively involved in politics for a number of years, do you think it's something that has improved in recent years or do you think that progress is quite slow? I think progress is really slow. Um, And, you know, as you say, I I was involved in politics before last May. I was the the youngest councillor in the Highland Council. Um, So I experienced how things were there. And I don't know why I had this this um, expectation, but I thought that it was going to be better in the Scottish Parliament. I think I had uh, overestimated how how liberal the Parliament had become. And while it has demonstrated that you know we are we are ready for a far more diverse Scottish Parliament, and I think a lot of people have welcomed the election of of a number of the current MSPs. 
there is still a very long way to go. And I think that is the case everywhere. Would you recommend someone your age or younger or, you know, a little bit older to get into politics at your age, given your experience? Or would you say that they're better waiting later? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's about waiting. Um, I would, I'm, I'm always honest with people. You know, I don't say, oh, get into politics because you'd be fantastic and therefore things would be great because those those two facts don't, don't normally add up together. You know, if somebody is very good as... Lloyd Melville is. I, I know him and, and I know he would be a fantastic counsellor. Um, I don't think the issue there is that he should wait. Um, but I do, if if you know he had come to me and said, look, I'm thinking of standing, what do you think? I would have been pretty honest about the, um, the things that he would be coming up against, the public comments. Um, and I don't think that is on him. Um, but I think that it's important that young people who want to get involved in politics are aware that that's still what's out there waiting for them and that they're prepared for it. When it comes to online abuse and the criticism of younger and older politicians, do you think sometimes maybe young politicians are almost just more accustomed to it and expect it because of how prevalent it is in social media? Yeah, I, I think we are. And I think that that's wrong. You know, um, people will often say to you when you get involved in politics, oh, well, you, you need to develop a thicker skin or, oh, you should have expected that. Or, well, you stood for election. You know, what what were you expecting? Um, and that, that shouldn't be the attitude that we take towards these things. It's not OK to, to abuse somebody. Um, and it's it's certainly not okay to abuse somebody because of their age or or their disability or their gender. Um, and I think we should be taking a tougher view. And although I completely understand where people are coming from when they say, "Look, I'm used to it," because maybe that helps them to to move away from it or to distance themselves. Um, I think I think we do need to to be more realistic about what is acceptable and what we are allowing to become the norm for those who come after us. Along similar lines, do you think there's almost an irony at times in that young people can be dismissed as not having enough experience and yet they are the ones often on the front line enduring this constant abuse in social media after involved in politics? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not just that, you know, young people now, we, we do have a, a tough time of it. Um, you know, homelessness rates, unemployment rates, um, especially in the Highlands and Islands, it's incredibly difficult very often to find a place to live and work in the community in which you grew up. And that's not been the case to this extent in the past. So we are dealing with things that previous politicians growing up and then going into politics didn't have to deal with. You mentioned before, obviously, that you were a councillor before you became an MSP. How did your experience as a councillor differ from your experience as an MSP? I mean, having spoken to another councillor about this, they said that, you know, the pay levels and the amount of work they were expected to do and the times they were expected to work just weren't very conductive to life as a young person. Did that kind of chime with your experience as well? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely different in every way, um, being a councillor and being an MSP, some ways positive and some ways negative. Um, but, you know, as... I, I found it quite difficult that the pay, um, obviously, I took a, a pay cut to become a counsellor. I'd worked in the ambulance service before that, earning you know a, a fair bit more, not not a lot of money, but you know around average. And, and counsellor salary then was was well below average, and I wanted to do it full time. So I think if you are the type of person who wants to give the counsellor role everything, um, and you want to to like me, you know, attend committee vote, uh, go to council, hold surgeries, 
go to local events, um, do your your emails and your casework every day. It is a full time job. So I completely understand why young people um, who already, um, on average, do face a lot of job insecurity would look at a job where you have to, you know, risk not winning the election at all um, to then be put on a lower salary and have these expectations that you're not only going to work full time, but but very often people expect you to be available 24-7. You know, you will get phone calls at one in the morning. You will get Facebook messages from strangers at, at eight o'clock at night. You know, you're never really off duty. So yeah, I, do, I don't think it's a particularly attractive job for, for young people. Do you worry that given all that we've discussed so far, some younger people who are perhaps invested in politics at your age or at a younger age, could end up being driven out when there's, you know, there's possibly decades of good work that they could be doing. They might get to 25 or 26 and decide this really isn't worth it because of the culture around it. Um, do you think that that could end up driving possibly very talented MSPs and MPs out of work? Yeah, I, I, I don't just worry about that. I, I can see it. You know, I've I've seen that happen to people. Um, I've seen people pull out of selection contests because they they already can't cope with it. You know, we we lost um, a number of very talented MSPs last term because of um, family issues they were citing. They couldn't look after their kids or get enough work life balance um, and be an MSP. We are definitely losing talent, and that's just the talent that we know about that's already been involved. Um, it's it's completely unknowable how many people have simply not got involved in politics in the first place because of all these considerations. And I always say to young people who are thinking about getting involved, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stand for election right away. Get involved in party politics, get involved in campaigning on issues, get involved with the third sector. There are a lot of ways to kind of, you know, dip your toe in and maybe get yourself in a place where you are confident in your views without being committed to to the kind of harassment that we've been discussing up to this point. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks to Justin for doing the interviews, our guests for taking part, our producer Chris, and of course you for listening. We'll be back later this week with more, but until then, and even after then, pick up or log on to The Courier, The Press and Journal, and all of our news brands, so that you can be better briefed. The Stushy is the politics podcast from DC Thompson Media, bringing together political journalists and commentators from all over the country so that you can be better briefed. Teams at The Courier, The Press and Journal, The Evening Telegraph, Evening Express and The Sunday Post work hard day and night, online, in print and beyond, to bring you careful reporting and analysis designed to help you understand the implications of what happens in Holyrood, in Westminster and in our communities. So you don't miss an episode, follow The Stushy today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know folk like you who want to understand politics in Scotland a little better, suggest they tune into The Stushy or follow Stushy Scott on Twitter and Facebook. You can get a free month of unlimited access to The Courier or The Press and Journal too. Just go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe or pressandjournal.co.uk slash subscribe or follow the links in the episode notes to be better briefed. Check the episode notes for details and terms.